0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on
1: 630 Chad. Everly starts with a rush down the right wing, a shot off the pass of Bachman, the rebound, Lucic. Fed Nugent, up gets Backdoor and a an hit trick for Jordan Everly. The second of his NHL career. And Edmonton's pouring
2: it on here at Rogers. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams, this is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Here we go with the puck,
1: Got on his run. Shiri waits for him, close cross, he goes to Schultz, now to Crosby too hard, off the board, but he finds it, Crosby in the bank, left wing circle over to Cunas, shot, score.
0: Gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. Kunitz with a game winner, his second of the night. And the Penguins are going on to play the Nashville Predators. And you know what? You can spit shine your shoes, baby. The Penguins are going to go dancing. With Lord Stanley once again,
1: and they will be dancing with the Nashville Predators. That call, as you heard last night on 6:30, Ched, the Penguins outlasting the Senators 3-2, Game Seven, double overtime. The Cup Final starts in Pittsburgh on Monday, six o'clock. Predators at Penguins, and we will have live play-by-play of all the Stanley Cup Final games for you right here on 6:30, Ched. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports. On 630 Chet, a lot to get to tonight, including Edmonton Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley as their training camp starts this weekend. But off the top, pleased to welcome back to the airwaves, your inside the game analyst for Oilers broadcast here on 630 Chet, former Pittsburgh Penguin Rob Brown. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing very good, Reed. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to catch up with you. And, and I know you have a busy weekend, so thanks for fitting me in here. But, but I think people will be interested. Tell us, uh, tell us what you're involved in this weekend. It's pretty cool.
2: It is. About five years ago, uh, three of my buddies and I got together and thought what we could do for our kids to, here in the community and, and uh, our friends' kids, we decided to have a, a road hockey tournament. So we started it five years ago. Our first year, we had 30 teams and then this year we have our biggest one ever we have 78 teams so over 550 kids playing here in St. Albert, we've got 10 rinks going at a time, we've got uh, Daytona Homes is running at ATB Go Auto, we have all kinds of great sponsors and it is two fun days out playing road hockey with kids, they get all dolled up it's hilarious, all these kids all have, they create their own uniforms and uh, they've got all kinds of neat names and neat cheers and it, it's a fun weekend that our buddies and I that we put together, we never expected it to become this big, but it has, and it's something that we look forward to doing every year.
1: So, how do you did you just divide kids up by age group, by skill level, or how do you break that down?
2: It's all by age group. So our tournament's called Road Rage. It's funny, my son came up with that one year. Say, so yeah, let's call the Road Rage Street <laughs> Hockey Tournament. So that's what it is. And then we have it just we just follow along the same lines as minor hockey. So we have initiation, novice, Adam, Pee Phantom, and Midget and they vie for the Road Rage, Road Rage Cup. We have a big trophy for the winning team, and it's neat. We have all these fencing that puts together our, our nine of our rinks, and then we actually have a company that builds a real rink that we have all the championship games in the real rink, and uh, your radio station, course, is heavily involved. They have music all day long, both Saturday and Sunday, for the kids to play, and they have all kinds of little games for the kids to play while they're in between games. So it was something that we thought we'd just do for... You know, a, a small group that just has grown and grown, and now we have kids from Westlock and Mooreville and Sturgeon and Edmonton and Smalbert all taking part, and it's it's a ton of fun. It was a lot of work putting together, but to to sit here on Saturday and Sunday and watch all these kids smiling and having a good time in the sun. It was well, well worth
1: it. Well, good for you. And I know whenever you know you and I speak about this when we're watching an Oilers game or or whatever, I, I know you're always very passionate about it. So good for you for keeping it rolling to uh, year five. So uh, we know where we can find you this weekend, then, and then probably sleeping in Monday. But that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I imagine some people in Ottawa and Pittsburgh might have slept in today, but woken up with far different emotions after uh, a, a pretty entertaining Game Seven last night. Goes to double overtime with Kunitz finally winning it for the Penguins. Now, you're a former Penguin, and I, and I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth by saying of all your ex-teams, I think the – well, let me ask you that first before we get into the game. Of all your ex-teams, you identify most, though, as a former Penguin, right?
2: Uh, I, I do. It's where I had the most success as a player, where I had the most fun. Uh, so, yeah, when, when, when I look back at my career, someone says, what team were you on? Yeah, I was with the Penguins. So it's funny, when, when, they, when teams play, I, I never know who I'm really cheering for. As the game starts, because I do like the Ottawa Senators, I have a ton of respect for them, but Craig Anderson is done, and I love a, a, a bunch of their players, uh, like a tourist, and and a Bobby Ryan, and players like that. And as the game starts, I start seeing as the plays going on, who I start pulling for. So I don't really know who I'm cheering for until the game's on, but I found as the game kept going, as much respect and as much as I wanted Ottawa to do well, I found myself really pulling for the Penguins last night, and in the end, I was I was kind of excited that the Penguins are, are moving on to the Stanley Cup Final.
1: Well, let me ask you about the Senators because that that's one thing you and I often said. I mean, Rob, even you know, even by December it looked like the Oilers were going to be in the playoffs, and we started getting the calls. Who do you want them to play? And you know, it kind of changed because you don't know. But Ottawa's proof, right? Just make the tournament. Uh, I know on Bob's show today, some people were saying, well, Ottawa lucked out by drawing Boston in the first round, and maybe they lose. But, I mean, I don't know. You you, you can only play the team across from you, and I I don't think we can take anything away from Ottawa because Pittsburgh was second overall, and they were one shot or one bounce away from from beating them. How do you think Ottawa did it, though?
2: I I think the one thing that you hear all the players talk after the games, is their love of each other. Uh, the brotherhood that they have. And that is huge. When a group of guys will do anything for for the team, whatever, laying in front of a shot, blocking, like guys getting outside of their comfort zone, doing all those things, you can find success. And I think that's the biggest thing that we saw with, with Ottawa is whatever it took. Uh, I mean, I, I need Bobby Ryan. I need you to lay down and block shots. I need Eric Carlson. I need you to, to throw your body. I mean, guys get outside their comfort zone to do what they felt was... Necessary to win. And you get on a bit of a roll. And I think the biggest thing, and what we've seen here at Edmonton over the last couple of years, good goaltending can take you a long way. And Craig Anderson is a very good goaltender. That when he is on, he's as good as anyone in the National Hockey League. He gave them a, a chance to win hockey games. So, yeah, make the playoffs. I don't, I don't think this is, you know, 1980s where the number one, two, three, four teams in the league are superior over the, you know, 12 through 16. There's not much discrepancy between the top and the bottom. And you're seeing that when you, go, when you see the, you know, a team like Nashville making the finals. And as they got, got along in the playoffs, you're like, well, God, they are really, really good. I can see why they're going to the playoffs. It's a team that it was a number eight seed coming in. So there's not much difference. Make the playoffs and then just get hot. And I think that's what you saw with the Ottawa Senators. That's what you saw with the, National, the, the Nashville Predators and the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's simply talent. They are, they are a talented hockey club that uh, know how to win. They know how to win in tough situations. And the biggest thing that I've seen in this playoff and going forward for the Edmonton Oilers with Peter Shirelli and, and this team is depth. You need depth to win in the playoffs because you look at the final four teams, the number of great players that they were missing, yet they continue to win hockey games. If you don't have depth, you cannot go anywhere come playoff time.
1: Well, two big names that are out for the final. Rob Brown joining us on Inside Sports. And it, there are other guys who are out. But for me, if you had to pick a big absentee from each team, obviously you got Latang for the Penguins, who they haven't had for a while. Ryan Johansson, who probably with Rene had been the Predators' best player in the postseason. Uh, he's out. It's an interesting matchup. We, you know, me, Jack, Bob, and Brendan did our picks on Bob's show earlier today. I actually picked Nashville, and I just think the way their top four defense can play in both ends of the rink is going to put them over the top. There's not much to choose goaltending between Renee and Murray. Clearly, Crosby and Malkin. I mean, the Predators don't have players like that. But as we've seen, Rob, when you have good defense and the Puck's not in your end very much. Eventually, you're going to get your chances and probably your goals. How do you handicap the final here? And then I'll put you on the spot and ask you to make a pick.
2: Well, I, I think that when, when coaches are coaching, when they start line matching, they're looking for mismatches. How can we get our Crosby, our McDavid, our Getzloff out against the other team's fifth, sixth defenseman or third, fourth defenseman? Well, Nashville, they don't have any weakness on the back end. I mean, I personally think P.K. Subban, who was the biggest one, oh, sorry, the second biggest trade this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the whole one. But the second <laughs> biggest trade this summer, I think P.K. Subban's the number four defenseman on Nashville. This is a guy that's won a Norris. I think El- Elkhom, Ekholm. I think uh, Yossi, I think Ellis? Um, Ellis are all better than him. Really? Okay. So, Or, or they're all in the same category. See, so there's four solid defenseman. So that at any point, if it's Malkin or Crosby, whoever steps out, you feel pretty confident if you're Nashville. Uh, their goaltending is fantastic. And and Rennie is he, he's had a resurgence here. And he's playing like the René that we've seen for a number of years. I said after they beat the Chicago Blackhawks, I said the National Predators are gonna win the Stanley Cup. I didn't think they would beat Chicago I thought Chicago was a team that was going to the finals. But as soon as I saw Nashville and the depth that they had and the way they played, I said, you know what? This is a team that's, it it, it is good, and it's got depth. And you and I talked at the end of the season, if there was one team that you didn't want the Oilers to play in the first round, and you and I both agreed, we didn't want to play the Nashville Predators. We knew what kind of team they had. And now I think the rest of the the National Hockey League and the rest of the hockey world has seen that too.
1: Well, and Jack Michaels always makes the point they went 3-0 and against the Oilers. Now, granted, one game went to a shootout, but they sort of beat the Oilers three different ways. I mean, they won a low-scoring game, they outscored them and they won that game that got a little bit nasty. The Oilers tied it late and then the Predators wanted to shoot And that, I mean, Nashville has that. They have speed, they can check, they got some depth scoring. And, I, and you know, the, it's the Stanley Cup final. I don't expect it to get really nasty. And I'm not saying the Predators are. You know, built around intimidation, but they have just enough, right, Rob? And that's what we've seen. These You don't have to have 18 guys who can fight. If you have six or seven who can stand up and can get a little bit chippy, right, then you're going to be fine.
2: I, I agree. And uh, yeah, to me, that's what you said is best. Nashville can play anyway, and, and they can. And what I love about this final, as opposed to if it was the Anaheim Ducks moving on, This final, to me, is going to be all about skill, all about hockey, all about playing the right way. And we saw it in the Edmonton series. We saw it again in the Nashville series. Uh, Playoff hockey is different. The referees, obviously ref different. And I don't know if it's always the right way. And I think we saw that with the Ducks. I mean, if I don't have to see Kessler play for another 10 years, I'll be happy. But the Nashville Predators are a fun team to watch play. They just have a ton of skill. They just go. They they just keep coming at you with depth, with speed, with uh, all the right things about hockey. And obviously, the Pittsburgh Penguins are, are built the same way. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you're going to see skill on display. I think you will see very solid, good defensive play. But you've got defensemen on both teams that jump up in the in the play that create things. You got goaltenders that make big saves, and you got star power. And isn't it funny going watching last night's game? To me, one of the biggest things that happened in last night's game was a player like Justin Schultz coming back into the mix. The Pittsburgh Penguins were desperate to get him back in. He comes in, scores a huge goal for them. So, a uh, uh, former Oiler comes up big last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to feel good for him. Rob, thanks for making time for us. I know you're putting the finishing touches there on the uh, tournament for this weekend. Have fun at Road Rage and at RoadRageStreetHockey.com if people want to check out more. See you soon, Rob. All right, take care, Reed. Great to check in with Rob Brown. He's going to be having fun with the street hockey tournament. And, yeah, he's uh, he's liking how Nashville is looking into the Stanley Cup final. And why wouldn't you? Starts Monday. You can listen right here on 630 Chet. Okay, we have the Memorial Cup semifinal on the ice. We have the Blue Jays in action, some Eskimos news as well. I'm going to run through all that when we get back. It's coming up on 620 Inside Sports on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet.
2: This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on
1: 630 k All right, so Adarius Bowman and the rest of the Eskimos medicals tomorrow. And then training camp on the field on Sunday. Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Going to start around 9.20, 9.30. Open to the public, so that's pretty cool. Also, how about this? From noon to 1 p.m. on Sunday, Dave Campbell and Morley Scott with a special uh, one-hour Eskimo show from training camp. So noon to 1 on Sunday, our first... Eskimos-related broadcast of the year right here on 630Chad, the first game preseason June 11th against the Calgary Stampeders, who, by the way, have won 29 regular season games over the last two years and have not won the Grey Cup. It's a pretty amazing stat. The two uh, regular seasons they pulled off, but the Eskimos beat them in the West Final. Two years ago, and then, of course, the uh, epic Grey Cup game against Ottawa, where they came up short in 2016. Now, here's what I can tell you about the Eskimos today. Chris Getzlaff is back. They uh, re-signed Getzlaff, who went to free agency. He'd been sitting there without a job, and I just, just want to remind everybody, this is the Getzlaff it's okay for you to cheer for, because I know they, this is this is so interesting. Brian Getzlaff has never been popular in Edmonton, but Uh, Can you go below zero for popularity? Because I think that's where he went this year. This is the Getzlaff you'll like. Uh, Chris Getzlaff, I don't know, I I, I think he'll have to fight for a job a little bit, Uh, but Nate Bahar, the Canadian receiver, the Eskimos took in the first round. I think this is maybe a sign that he's probably going to stick around with the NFL for a while, maybe get some looks there. So Getzlaff last season, 41 receptions, 455 yards, a couple of touchdowns. I think more significantly today... The Eskimos signed defensive back Forrest Hightower, who spent the last two seasons with the Ottawa Red Blacks, so another Edmonton-Ottawa connection. Brock Sunderland uh, was the assistant GM in Ottawa. He's now the Eskimos GM, so he brings Hightower in. Good player um, in the last two Grey Cups. Two interceptions in the 104th Grey Cup game to help them win over Calgary. And I think that... The secondary to me going into the season is still the Eskimos' biggest area of weakness. Uh, when Ed Hervey was the GM, he didn't do much tinkering there. So I think Sunderland is is trying to, to, to strengthen it a little bit. And I will say this. Sunderland has been more active signing players than I thought he might be, given how late he took over the team. And if you remember the day Ed got fired, I I said, this is still going to be Ed's team, probably at least through the first six games of the season. Now I'm starting to think, well, maybe not, because Brock's not sitting around thinking, well, there's only so much I can do. So anyway, Forest Hightower, good defensive back. And the Eskimos need a couple of those. So uh, remember that name as we move into the season. Memorial Cup semifinal, 12 minutes left in the second period. It's 1-1 Erie and St. John. The winner will play Windsor for the championship. That'll be on Sunday. And the Blue Jays looking good today. 5-1 lead over the Rangers in the top of the fourth. Devin Travis, a grand slam. Donaldson is back. He's one for two. Tulewitzki is back. Doesn't have an official at bat. They did score a run after drawing a walk. Uh, Smoke has now homered, by the way. They put the Blue Jays up 5-1. They've moved into the fourth. We got a Hall of Famer in studio. We're going to chat with Curtis Stock when we get back. Uh, I, I I think we're going to probably cover a lot of different sports, but we'll start with some horse racing when we come back. Inside Sports on Chet. Brian Eugen Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, appreciate you spending your Friday night with Inside Sports, we have Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley coming up later on tonight. Training camp starting with the medicals tomorrow. The Eskimos are on the field on Sunday. Don't forget, we have Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final on 6.30, Chet, in this time slot on Monday. So no Inside Sports. Predators and Penguins will start at 6.00. My name is Reed Wilkins. By the way, you can always reach us here. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. It's Reid W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Wilkins like Dominique, as I like to say, though there's no relation and a slight discrepancy in athletic ability. I'm pleased to welcome to the show a guy you've been uh, reading, I'm sure, for years in the paper and online, and now you get to hear him, and he's bound for the Hall of Fame, which we're going to get into. It's Curtis Stock. Curtis, thanks for dropping by. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Did you enjoy the Dominique Wilkins reference? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always figure I should tell people no relation, right? <laughs> you figured that out pretty fast. Yeah, I figured it out pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, I was quick on that one. Eh? Wait, wait, there's a lot I want to cover with you, so thanks for 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 dropping. A, you know, I've been, been enjoying reading your stuff for for a long time. We want to get into some racing stuff, some golf. I'm sure we'll talk some hockey along the way because I know uh, I was looking back on your uh, tweets today, and you were pretty vocal when Ryan Kessler grabbed Cam Talbot's pad, but that's, <laughs> yeah. we'll get into that later. Uh, first of all, congratulations, because you're going into the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, that's going to happen officially August 9th in Mississauga, but it's already been announced, uh, the the class that is going in. Uh, I mean, when when you hear something like that, is it kind of like oh my god or like what was your what was your reaction it was oh my god i didn't i didn't expect it at all
0: it was uh, i got a phone call and said uh, do you know why i'm calling and i said i had no idea and he says well congratulations you're in so that was really nice um how did you get started <laughs> maybe that's a tough well then let's oh, let's go back how
1: okay so you're growing you're growing up in london ontario
0: yeah my dad was in the air force so we didn't spend very long there we moved okay. all over the place and then in calgary is uh, where i went in uh, grade seven is when we started in Calgary. And I uh, had some friends of my family who used to go to the races all the time, and I tagged along with them a bunch of times. And uh, when I went to high school in St. Mary's in Calgary, it was right across the street from Victoria Park racetrack. So after school, we'd go to across the street to the racetrack
1: and uh, used to be a regular. So you had the bug for the sport from a relatively young man. Now, was it always you wanted to cover it, or did you ever think you wanted to somehow be an owner, trainer, announcer, like like that? Oh, I think I probably wanted to
0: own one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but I uh, never thought about, you know, anything else. It was just a lot of fun, and it was um, me and my best friend. We used to go to the track, and and uh, then when I went to uh, uh, went to the University of Calgary, and in the uh, my third year at the University of Calgary, the Calgary Herald phoned and asked if I wanted to be a summer student. So uh, I took that, and... I was there maybe a month or something, and the sports editor said, "Uh, harness racing is going to come to Calgary. Does anybody here know anything about horse racing? I said, oh, I do. And so... Uh, I covered harness racing while I was going to university because it was on, I just had to be there Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday afternoon, and Monday night. So the only day that was really a problem as far as school was the Monday night one, but right. otherwise I would have been there anyway, and they were paying <laughs> me to do it, so it was a pretty good gig.
1: Now, were you taking journalism at UFC, or what were you taking?
0: No, I took English, and okay. uh, I wrote for the university newspaper. Um, I, wrote, I used to write under the byline of Forward Pass, who was a forward... Kentucky Derby winner and I just submitted these stories under the desk of the gauntlet newspaper um, and they would appear in the paper and I thought, oh this is really cool and I found out that they were getting paid and I went in and I said, hey I'm forward pass, where's my money? Oh jeez
1: <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So you got some unexpected kind of on the job training while you were going to university uh, now, how, how did you wind up in Edmonton? When did that opportunity come up? Uh, well the sports editor's son Um, Bruce Walker
0: was the head of publicity at the Ontario Jockey Club and uh, I went to work for him for a couple years and then Edmonton Northlands called and asked if I wanted to come up here and uh, I missed Alberta so I came came to Edmonton and I worked in publicity and promotion and advertising for Northlands for seven years including doing the horse racing and then uh, the Edmonton Journal called me and asked if I wanted to do the horse racing for them so I started, and I used to like that was my beat was horse racing. I used to have a a page every day in the in the Edmonton Journal on horse racing. Except for six days a week, there was a page of horse racing, whether it was you know there was selections, the results, and a story.
1: And you you wrote everything, or did you? Was there another guy on the beat too? No, that was it. It was all you. So, what do you like, or what have you liked most? I know you're still doing stuff, but you know what what has kept you going day after day involved in 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 horse racing i mean there's always something about the job that i think gives people that spark or about what they're covering what's the one or two key things for you curtis well i like dealing with the people a lot i mean they're great people to deal with but i like betting
0: to <laughs> 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 be That's honest great. i mean you know <laughs> when i used to go with my parents and the first time i went i, I remember i i bet a two dollar quinella And it won, and it paid $40. And I couldn't believe how easy this was. Wait a minute, that
1: was was the first time you ever bet in your life? Yeah. And you were a kid?
0: Yeah, I was like 15 (laughs) years old, and bet bet a $2 quinella and watched it come in. Uh, Okay. Paid $40, I remember that. They don't even have quinellas anymore, do they? No. They got um, rid of that, because that
1: was where it could be either order. Either
0: order, yeah. No, it's just the exact order, which has to be in a
1: specific order. Yeah, yeah. I like the quinellas, because there was a little more margin for error. Oh, yeah. yeah. So was there Mm -hmm. ever... um, like, was there ever an issue with you betting on horses and jockeys and trainers you were covering? That in your no. sport, that just doesn't matter, right?
0: No, it didn't matter at all, no. Yeah. So, I mean, I used to watch the races, of course, every day. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go up and uh, and I'd watch the replays. And I'd watch the replays and make notes on which horses got into trouble. and uh, So that's, you know, going there every day... Yeah, I had a bit of an edge. Now I don't go every day, so now I'm just a monkey like the rest of them.
1: Right. (laughs) So you're just so you're just somebody who a better who was there every day, and it was also your job to write some (laughs) some stuff every day. Yeah. Uh, Since you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but you brought up the betting. What is the most you ever won, or can you give me a ballpark?
0: Yeah, well, I remember that's easy because uh, I got a Win 4 one time.
1: Um, no but, way. Well, at Northlands. At Northlands, yeah,
0: but it, it paid $17,000. I, I had it three or four times. Anyway, the bottom line was that I made 17000 and the next day I went and bought a car. No way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible.
0: Was that a $2 bet or a $1 bet? They were $1 Win 4s, but okay. I, had, I think I had it like three or four times, if I remember correctly. I think it paid like 4000 for a dollar. So
1: Okay. So, okay, all right. So, for people that don't know, what the win four is that's usually what the winner of the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. That's or what it was, four yeah. In a row? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's one of the hardest. I guess the pick six is the only. Do they have that? The pick six here. That'd be the only one that was harder, I guess. They got a pick five. I don't they think they have pick a pick f- six anymore. So you did nailed the Toronto win four. What kind of car did you buy?
0: Uh, Mazda RX seven.
1: What year was it? Must have been in the eighties.
0: Ah, uh, Yeah. 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 <laughs> I always wanted one and I had the money, so I bought it the next day.
1: That's incredible. Curtis Stock joining us on uh, Inside Sports. He's going to the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame in August. The ceremony is going to be in Mississauga. So I guess on a more on a more serious note, um, the sport is, I mean, I don't want to sound rude, but I'll just put it this way, and then I'll kind of let you react to it. The sport is not... What it once was, it in, especially in this part of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. Here in Edmonton, for sure, in Calgary, for sure. But uh, you know, there's there are pockets where it's still doing really well. Like Gulfstream, Florida, they bet like bazillions every day. Um, the Preakness, it was a bad day. I mean, it was cloudy, it was raining, and they set a, or an all-time record attendance and an all-time record handle. Uh, the Derby last year, the K- Kentucky Derby, was a record handle and a record attendance. So there are pockets where it's still doing really well here it's not a
1: shadow of what it used to be which is unfortunate so i mean you're closer to it than anybody and you know what maybe this is there's no short answer to this but i mean what what happened did it just not did it just not adapt did it have its peak and it petered out or is it the facility what happened
0: well, when the slot machines came in, people wanted the instant gratification of, of the slot machines instead of just, you know, 20 minutes between every race. Um, they brought in simulcast racing where then all of a sudden you could bet on more and more. But the track stopped in my opinion, anyway, they stopped promoting and publicizing horse racing. And uh, it was it used to be every radio station, including 630 Chad, did the selections every day, and 630 Chad did the race results after every single race they used, to, they used to be on. So we had all the radio stations in Edmonton, you know, giving you the selections in the morning, and then the results at night. Um, and then, as I said, like in the journal, it was a page every day on horse racing. So well, oh, Horse racing used to be a place to be on a Friday night. It was a big thing. You know, I mean, the grandstand was full. Saturdays, they used to bet a million dollars every Saturday. Um, it used to be a place that... It was a sport, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very much a peripheral sport. You don't hear about... Um, the only time you really hear about horse racing anymore is the big races right like the canadian derby the kentucky derby the preakness and the breeders cup the rest of the races sort of get lost i'm sure there's most people don't even know that there's horse racing in edmonton anymore
1: that's a good point there are probably people who don't i I wouldn't be surprised i've always uh i mean i was sharing with you off air uh it used to be a family destination for my parents and i when i was was a kid growing up in evansburg during often during klondike days we'd come in I'd do a couple of rides during the afternoon, and then we'd, we'd go to the we'd go to the races at night. That I'd get a twenty from my mom, and and get to s- spend it on the ten races. But yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's unfortunate to see that happen. You now, as you mentioned, as a member of the media, I'm maybe I'm part of the fact it doesn't get enough attention because it doesn't get talked about as much as it used to. Um, it's weird for 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 me too. Looking at it, I mean. I'm curious to get your reaction on this I often group horse racing and boxing in together as two sports that had a peak in an earlier era and now are really, I mean I bet you I could go up to 10 random Edmontonians and say who's the heavyweight champion, would one person get it right? I don't know Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, I mean boxing and and horse racing, you're right, in the the 1920s, 30s 40s, um, those are the two big sports, right, and baseball Um, and now you're right you know i hadn't thought about that but you're right you don't hear about boxing anymore either hardly you know i mean you get the few big fights a year that people wait for but it's not like you know the, the days when when it was really in in
1: vogue, like once a month, it seemed like there would be sure. You know, even when I was younger, because you had Tyson in the heavyweight division, and you still yeah. had Leonard and Hagler and Hearns doing their things. But yeah, that's changed a lot. Curtis Stock is in studio. If you have anything for Curtis, you can text six thirty six thirty. Uh, he's going into the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame in August. Huge. Uh, I think actually the last time I saw you in person was at the, uh, the McKenzie Tour event. Last August long weekend, we were hanging out, uh, watching scores there. So we'll talk a little golf with Curtis when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mike Riley from Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, it's 649. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Mike Riley coming up later in the show as he gets ready for training camp. 2-1 Erie leading St. John Two minutes left in the second period in Windsor. That's the Memorial Cup semi-final. Blue Jays leading the Rangers 5-2 in the top of the fifth. If you missed us talking about it earlier, uh, Travis hit a grand slam in that game. Smoke also has a homer. Blue Jays up to 21-26 on the season. They're going to keep uh, fighting away. might be hard to win the division, but a couple wildcard spots there. Maybe they can wind up sneaking in by the end of the season. My name is Reed Wilkins. Curtis Stock is in studio. Uh, I originally just uh, reached out curse a few days ago i was like hey man i know you're going into the uh canadian horse racing hall of fame do you want to come in and uh and, and bs and you got back to me right away and uh clearly you listen to the show occasionally because if uh, you you know you know there's some bs on this show sometimes so that's okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh we're talking about some golf before the break as well and that's another uh you know huge uh area of interest for for you and for me as well though i've i've lamented on my golf game several times on this show so i won't yeah. go too far down that road <laughs> i think i've never seen you golf but it's my understanding you're pretty pretty good i used okay. to be pretty good i used yeah. to be pretty good yeah now i'm a 10 handicap so well that's mine's over 20 so <laughs> yeah you'd be giving me a few strokes not one per hole though i've improved at least that one. uh have you did you golf since you were a kid too
0: yeah yeah when i was in grade seven i took up golf yeah just when we moved to calgary uh, again, the guy I used to go to the track with. Right. <laughs> we golf together, too, so at uh, Shaganapi Golf Course in Calgary. All right.
1: Uh, tons of courses in Edmonton and Eric. Oh, I mean, this man. is unbelievable. There's,
0: yeah, and there's, like, there's 84 courses within an hour's drive in Edmonton. Jeez. So, and good ones. Like, there's so many good ones. That's the problem. I think, you know, like, that's, you know, like, the courses are hurting. They they hurt last year with the economy and the weather. Yeah. And this year they got killed in April. And there's just, you know, there's so many courses that people have so many you know, options, you know, where to go.
1: Yeah. You wrote a piece, uh, I want to say a couple months ago uh, about the, the rule changes that we were talking about it before we start. I mean, and this is the crazy thing for me, Curtis, anybody who golfs, is pr- if they've gone and looked at the proposed rule changes by what is it, the Royal and Ancient, and I yeah. guess the USGA is on yeah. board as well. Yeah, the two bar- So parties. you'll be able to move your ball out of a divot. Right. If you accidentally. No, you won't. The divot's still not. Well, the winning. divot, the divot's still good. Okay, but yeah. if you accidentally tap your ball and move it a millimeter on the green, you don't have to take a stroke. Right. But like, nobody was doing that anyway. Right. So why, and you can fix impediments in the green other
0: than, you know, uh, ball marks. So right. you can fix spike marks. and You will be able to anyway in
1: 2019. But everybody's doing it anyway, aren't why we? Why not, right? Like, why not? We're not playing for a million bucks. Right. We're not cheating. We're not subtracting strokes. Like, what's taking them so long to, to do this?
0: I don't know. It's just, I mean, you know, they're stodgy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so what else? Okay, so the divot one is not... Is not one you'll. You still have to hit your ball out of a divot. Yeah, and then the bu- ball in a bunker, unraked
0: bunker, that's still not a rule. I mean, that's still a penalty.
1: Okay. Uh, but, but okay, is that going to change though? No, those, that's not those proposed two are not, change. Not changing. The, they propose what you don't have to drop it from shoulder height. And, though? And you
0: can drop it from six inches, which is basically what everybody it. does anyway. Place the
1: ball right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think if you're an everyday golfer, I mean, I'm a guy like. I want my score to be my score. So if I if I shoot a low score, I know I didn't fudge any shots, right? So I'll, some days I'll have a bad round, and I'm like, okay, that's my round. I'm not going to say, oh, I didn't actually – I'm not going to count the lost ball. Right. I count all the stuff, but I, I do think there's some common sense for the everyday golfer. Like if you're – like if I'm on a root of a tree, and I could snap my club off hitting the shot, I'm going to – I won't move it to – Ten yards closer to the hole, but I'm going to adjust it, right? We all do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to.
0: The problem with golf is the length, of time it takes, and you and you want to speed up the game as much as possible. Um, And you know, all the rules that they have slow down the game. I mean, it. Right. You know. I mean, for a regular guy, like you say, you know, if if you hit the ball in the bushes, take a one-shot lateral penalty, drop a ball, and get on. Which most guys do anyway. Instead of looking ten minutes in the bush for the ball, right? Yeah. You know, like they're reducing the amount of time that you can look for a ball to three minutes from five. But how many guys have you played with are in there like for 10 minutes looking for a ball, right? Right. It's like it was an anniversary present <laughs> or something, you know, and they have to have that particular <laughs> ball. You know, so, you know, move the ball out, take a drop, and let's go on. Play on, yeah. I played at uh, Sundry last week, and uh, we played in three hours. It was. Was it crowded? There was nobody else on the course. It was okay, just yeah. us, and it was three hours, and what a fantastic <laughs> golf course Sundry is. Yeah.
1: Well, I was out at Riverside today, yeah. and it took about three and a half. Oh, well, that's no, good. Probably, about, probably about 315. That's and real I, good. And I have found for, for Riverside. It, it it seems like almost like 8 a.m. is the cutoff. Like if you can get out there before 8 a.m., you can you make pretty good along. time. And yeah. then, then after 8 a.m., it might it might. Burn on down weekends, a bit.
0: sometimes, yeah, you're looking at you know, and scrambles, looking at five hour rounds. Well, they see, drive me crazy.
1: and that's the advantage with my hours. I can golf weekday mornings. Right. So I'm a little spoiled because I don't have to worry about trying to get on on a weekend. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, so you, you've probably played all 84 of those courses within an hour of Edmonton, at least at some point in the last probably few years. Probably pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> What's the? Did you have a really special golf experience, or the most famous? I like I don't know if you played St Andrews Pebble Beach. I
0: played or St TPC. Yeah, I covered the British Open there when uh, it was Jack Nicklaus's last round, and uh, I remember that like vividly. With uh, you know, there was you know people crying as he was coming down the, f- the final fairway, the 18th fairway, and uh, was you know was shouting out "We love you, Jack!" and everything. That was that was amazing.
1: What was it like to play St Andrews? Oh, First of all, was it windy the day you played? No,
0: there was no wind, <laughs> no rain. <laughs> Good. And as they say in England though, they say no wind, nay rain, nay golf, right? I mean right. you're supposed to be raining and pouring, but I don't think so. It was no it was it was perfect. Yeah, we had a I didn't take the caddy. I was too cheap. So I just just listened to what the caddy was telling the other guy I was playing with what to do, so
1: Uh, Did you, you, like, was there a highlight? Did you actually, like, the road hole, I don't know, did you play it well? Or did you understand some of the challenges more once you were out there? I put a ball in
0: the road hole on purpose. Like, I just, I (laughs) I put it on the green. But I wanted to try to hit it out of that road hole bunker. Yeah. I couldn't get out. I'd still be there, like, today. You know, the thing's only about, like, it seems like about three yards wide. and And if you stand, you can't reach the top of the bunker from inside inside the bottom of the bunker. You cannot reach the top. So how you can get it out of there, I have no idea. Without going sideways or backwards, right? But I tried and I I, like I said I'd still be there. I could never get that out of there.
1: Well so the everyday guy has to hit it out backwards almost. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then bob it back over. Yeah, but I wanted to try it, yeah. Curtis stock is in the studio. Can you stick around until a little bit after seven? Because we got we got more stories to tell. We'll talk a little hockey as well. Keep you updated on the Memorial Cup. It's inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad.